Live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Look who's here. It's old Delgado and me. That's it. That's it. Flying uh, double duty here tonight. <laughs> Paul's still off, but feeling good. I talked to Mr. Nolan today. Actually saw him on Skype. He looks good, feeling good. Ready to go. Get back to work. Get back in the fight. So he's doing well. Uh, Geo Fran, of course, here holding it down as always. Rick Delgado's here with the news, and we're going to uh, have some fun tonight. Got some good things to get to. I want to send our best wishes out to one Rick Emirati, Slick Rick, who does sports here on this show. Had a hip replacement today. Yeah. Mainly because he's old. <laughs> I'm sure he's watching, so. so he can't respond. I like this where he can't respond to me. Well, he does have Twitter. You know, he's an active, uh, <laughs> he's active on the Twitter there. Yes. He's a Twitterati. So I have to say that Rick was dead on. Of course, he just listened to his doctors, and I, I kept arguing with him that he was wrong, of course. You know, the medical degree that I hold. Uh, he kept telling me, he says, I'm going to go in, get this thing done, and be home that night. I said, no, you're not. I said, you're not going to get your hip replaced and get home. I know I've had all kinds. My dad had both. Not my, my wife's dad, I call him dad, had both his hips replaced. My, um, my wife's grandmother, who just unfortunately passed away, she had a hip replaced. And they, well, I'll tell you, he was right on the money. Boy, being, you know, 20 years younger than the people I know who had it, Boy, it just shows you. Yeah, he but went, he went in this morning, had his hip replaced, and was home home by three o'clock. That sounds awfully convenient, considering. Uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you you know some something, Geo? Oh my God, I never <laughs> thought of that. He's he's conned me here. Well, no, he can't get away from it. Not so. enough. But that's a good point, Geo. I have to continue to think about that as the number gets higher. He all of a sudden he's having heart transplants and <laughs> lobotomies and other things. Here. It's not like he can run too far away right now. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Well, now he can. Now he can run. Now he can run like hell because he's going to be feeling good because he's got a new hip. He's home. He was home by three o'clock. He texted me, said, "All good. I'm home." I've had root canals that have been rougher than this was. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> so Slick Rick is home, feeling uh, good. He's got to be careful though for for probably the next I don't know week or two. Yeah. So he can't watch any Dallas Cowboy games. Well, yeah. That that's out. If you're he... listening, Rick, you you are uh, tell your you are not allowed. To be watching any Dallas Cowboys because you'll throw that thing out and one interception and you'll be down for the count. <laughs> so that's that's not a good idea. Rick brings oh up an excellent goodness. point. There. Oh my goodness! You cannot be watching the Dallas Cowboys being uh, get your hip fixed. So he will pull his own leg off and bash his TV <laughs> with it if something bad happens in the next yeah, game. That's exactly right. So well, good for him. I'm glad he's feeling good. I'm glad it went well, and he'll be back probably next week. As will Paul, hopefully. So we'll be back uh, in full swing next week. So, yeah. But Rick's here. We got news to do. Lots of stories to go over. Do you know what TMTG stands for? Uh, the main no. thing, what? No, no I have no idea. And I'm going to tell you what it stands for here in a second. But let's talk about, I guess, what's the story of the day. And that's uh, what's going on down in Florida. Can't be really too much. I mean, I guess they haven't confirmed anything. But it can't be too much of a surprise. We talked about this. The fact that... Um, how is it possible that they can't find this kid? Yep. 
And we need to start putting some pressure on the parents. And I know that, well, first of all, bring me up to date on where we are here. All right. Well, uh, it was discovered earlier today that possible human remains were found near Brian Laundrie's recovered belongings. And that was in the uh, in the wilderness park that uh, it's called Makahachi Creek Environmental Park, where he liked to go uh, backpacking and hiking. And the, the last place his parents saw him. Th- those items were found in an area that up until recently had been underwater. Our evidence response team uh this is michael mcpherson special agent in charge of the fbi's tampa division talking here he said our evidence response team is on scene using all available forensic resources to process the area it's likely the team will be on the scene for several days he also identified laundry specifically as a person of interest in the murder of course of gabby petito mcpherson is no stronger no stranger to the case he was seen september 20th at the Laundry's Northport, Northport home as agents executed a, uh, a search. In response to the update, the Laundry family attorney, Stephen Berlatino, told Fox News and uh, Roberta, Chris and Roberta Laundry were at the reserve earlier today when human remains in some of Brian's possessions were located. The attorney also said the findings were discovered in an area where they had initially advised law enforcement that Brian may be. He added, Chris and Roberta will wait for the forensic identification of human remains before making any additional comments. So it looks like... Uh, so, we, I mean, obviously there's a lot to learn here yeah. on how this went down, how they, how, they were, um, how they ended up in this specific area, how long uh, this is, how long, if it, obviously the remains are how long... Um, cause every there's so much to learn here, but I I have to tell you I feel um. It just is a terrible feeling for Gabby Petito's parrots that uh, they may never know the real full story here. Right. Well, you know it was uh it was ruled a murder. Um, you know her death was ruled a murder, and I believe it's it's based on some of the findings from today that they found his notebook. Right, and, so they've kind of relabeled it, or they've changed it now to murder. Right, after finding some of his belongings in this notebook, and um, well, you still have to just think to yourself, hit, hit the parents here. I don't know when the time and place is, but man, you would think like they—they they just have to. There's got to be some pressure here. You think everything now turns towards pre- getting the pressure put on them. What did they know? How long have they known it? Did right. they help? Um, yeah. What their last interactions with him were? What was said? What did they know he was going to do? Not do? Go? Not go? Where did he? I mean, you just really for her for her parents' sake, you just to try to get as much possible information here as possible. You would feel would be I would hope would be the goal. Right. But but in, in terms of what they found so far, it just leaves because they can't they can't really divulge much yet until they do the forensics on the human remains. Um, you know, a lot of speculation because I heard a lot of FBI profilers and stuff like that in the last few weeks, you know, basically saying, no, this guy's kind of a coward uh, that he probably wouldn't have the the fortitude to end his own life. So they figured he's just out on the run somewhere, but probably closer to where he feels comfortable, not like, you know, going someplace he's never been before. Well, so I guess that raises questions about his death. If it's confirmed that this is him and we have no reason to think it's not. Yep. How did this go down? Yeah, and you wonder what, what role the parents, his parents played. 
Because again, they knew where he went. And from when you when you watch some of this coverage, I don't know if you got a chance to see any of, see any of the video. It shows them, you know, kind of the father walking the the investigators to a specific area, almost like he knew, yeah, this is where you're going to find him, kind of kind of thing. And that's why all of a sudden now they're able to find find the the remains, but also the the uh, belongings that were previously underwater. Maybe he knew. It's like, all right, well, well now about the time is, uh, I guess the tide is out. Let me show these guys where to find it. It's it just. Whole lot of questions for those parents. Oof, man, that's just rough. That is just chillingly bad. Um, all right, so we'll, well, obviously we'll follow that. If anything breaks tonight during the show, if anything more comes out, we'll let you know about it. So, well, let's get back to what I asked Rick. What's TMTG? Does anyone in the audience know? Raise your hand. Let uh, me take a look. Oh, I, I, I think any, I know. I think I know. I don't see any hands. Now I remember. I remember seeing those. Those. It's uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, <laughs> it might. It might be that, but that's right? not what I'm referring to. Oh. I'm referring to the Trump Media and Technology Group. No, Press. no, it's it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, it's the Trump Media and Technology <laughs> Group as of October 20th, which would be today. Announcement out of Palm Beach, Florida, announcing Trump Media and Technology Group. Trump Media and Technology Group and Digital World Acquisition Corp., which is listed on the NASDAQ under DWAC, have entered into a definitive merger agreement providing for a business combination that will result in the Trump Media and Technology Group becoming a publicly listed company subject to regulatory and stockholder approval. The transaction values Trump Media and Technology Group at an initial enterprise value of $875 million with a potential additional um, carve-out of $825 million in additional shares. At the valuation they are granted for a cumulative valuation of up to $1.7 billion, depending on the performance of the stock price post-business combination. Trump Media and Technology Group's growth plans initially will be funded uh, by Digital World Acquisition Corp's cash in trust of $293 million, assuming no redemptions. Trump Media and Technology Group's mission is to create a rival to the liberal media consortium and fight back against the big tech companies of Silicon Valley, which have used their unilateral power to silence opposing voices in America. Trump Media and Technology Group will soon be launching a social network named Truth Social. Truth Social is now available for pre-order in the Apple App Store. Truth Social plans to begin its beta launch for invited guests in November of 2021. A nationwide rollout is expected in the first quarter of 2022. Those who are interested in joining Truth Social may now visit, and this I think just broke, so you may be one of some of the first hearing about this, www.truthsocial.com to sign up for the invite list. President Donald J. Trump uh, the chairman of TMTG stated, quote, I created Truth Social and TMTG to stand up to the tyranny of big tech. We live in a world where the Taliban has a huge presence on Twitter, yet your favorite American president has been <laughs> silenced. This is unacceptable. I am excited to send out my first truth on Truth Social. I like that already. Very soon. 
TMTG was founded with a mission to give a voice to all. I'm excited to soon begin sharing my thoughts on truth social and to fight back against big tech. Everybody asks me, why doesn't someone stand up to big tech? Well, we will be soon. So that out tonight from TMTG, which is the Trump Media and Technology Group. Wow. And what sounds like a very interesting uh, merger here. Now, are they going to be doing a crypto coin that we can get in on? Or? Well, no, there's nothing in there about that. <laughs> By the way, congratulations to all Bitcoin holders. As today, Bitcoin proved that this market cycle it's in right now is not over, will be extended as it reached all-time high. Uh, it also launched its first exchange-traded exchange fund this week, although it was a futures ETF, not a spot ETF, which is really what you want. Because a spot ETF, you actually have to go buy the physical Bitcoin, but then you also have to take control of it, and there's all other issues that come with it that the SEC and Gary Gensler don't want to face right now. But they did get a, an exchange-traded ETF, and it's just gone bonkers in the first two days. And so has the price. And Bitcoin becomes more relevant as it, as it marches on towards overtaking gold and gold's $11 trillion market cap. Bitcoin sitting at about trillion and a half or so right now, I believe. And it will continue to take market share away from gold as it becomes the premier store of value. And um, just getting started. People think they're late. They're not late. It's still early. All right, just getting started. Lots to do on a Wednesday night live from Studio 6B. Glad you're with us. We're back right after this. past the hour live from studio 6b on a wednesday night glad you're in you missed the opening segment i told you that uh, slick rick rick Amorati had surgery today he has hip replacement his hip's been bothering him for a long time from playing hockey and all kinds of stuff and he finally had it replaced today and he's doing great yeah and that- the, the twitterati are already showing the love get well soon rick tennessee loves you from t valentine Okay, very good. So uh, he's feeling good. He's home. We'll probably be back, I would think, next week uh, as long as he gets approval and he doesn't, uh, like Rick said, blow it all <laughs> yelling at the Cowboys. And now they don't play, I think, till Sunday. So hopefully he gets as much improved as he can between now and Sunday because on Sunday, I don't know who they're playing, but this all could go out the window pretty quickly. So he could be back in the ER Monday morning. It wouldn't surprise me in the least. So <laughs> we'll see. Night. Well, we normally do sports now, so it's obviously instead of doing sports, let's talk a little sports, and just it brings us to our first LOL video of the day. I like this little new segment we've created here, G. I kind of it's kind of cute. So you know, obviously, um, you've got baseball heading towards the end of the season, hockey and basketball just starting, football's kind of hitting the midpoint. But um, you know, every year when there's somebody who wins a championship, and there's a couple things that go along with a championship, but that's you know, so usually you go to the White House. Uh, if you get invited and but you got to have a huge big parade you remember tampa bay when they won the super bowl you know million people lined the streets 
you know, Tom Brady went and got drunk throwing the uh, <laughs> throwing the Lombardi Trophy all over the ocean, you know, <laughs> dropping it in the ocean, all that boat stuff. To boat. So I mean, that's that's a key staple to a championship is obviously having a huge uh, parade down, you know, Main Street or wherever, wherever you're from. So yeah, especially if you're like from New York. Oh my goodness, the Canyon of Heroes. Yeah. How many times we've seen that with the Yankees and and the Islanders during their run in the '80s, and then of course the Giants the last couple times they they won. Yeah. So since we're not doing sports, or Rick, let's do a little sports tribute here to the Chicago Sky from the WNBA. They won the championship just two nights ago. And they had what I, I mean, just out of control, um, out of control party today in Chicago. Let's roll that, G. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> this is terrible. Uh, there are more people on the buses <laughs> than there are watching. Uh, hello. Hello. Uh, the parades today. The parade for the champs are today. They even had a great day of weather. <laughs> Who the hell are they waving at? Look at the street. No- hey, how are you? It's the same guy on the bike. You're still waving to me. Why are you waving to me? <laughs> and I was reminded of, uh, fa- of the family guy. <laughs> the family guy WNBA uh, skit they did. And as I mean, it's just, you know, I don't know. I don't know why I I find that funny. I just find that hilarious. There's nobody. Well, there's just nobody there. Kind of like the the live games themselves, too. There's nobody there. Wow. There's just nobody there. Well, congratulations, Chicago (laughs) Sky. (laughs) So so there you go. So nobody there. Um, All right. So, you know, we talked last night about why these places are not or why people are not suing COVID-19 vaccines. All of this mandate OSHA with no regulation. And there is a uh, a piece by Scott Bomboy talking about constitutional issues related to vaccine mandates. And this gives you kind of an overall view of, of, of kind of the history of this. Um, he says, in general, two key Supreme Court decisions speak to the authority of the state and local officials to issue vaccine mandates. Generally... These decisions concluded that these governments may tell people to get vaccines unless they belong to an exempt group or face a penalty. In 1905, the Supreme Court ruled in Jacobson v. Massachusetts that under a state law, local health authorities could compel adults to receive the smallpox vaccine. Henning Jacobson refused a free smallpox vaccination that was mandated by the city of Cambridge. He was fined $5. As a result, Jacobson argued the vaccination law violated his 14th Amendment due process rights. Justice John Marshall Harlan, writing for the court's majority, concluded that states under their general police powers had the ability to enact vaccine laws to protect citizens. Police powers allow a state to pass laws to protect the health, safety, and general welfare of the public. Quote, it is For the legislature and not for the courts to determine in the first instance whether vaccination is or is not the best mode for the prevention of smallpox, he wrote at the time, and the protection of the public health. The second decision, I believe it's pronounced uh, Zucht versus King in 1922, 
arrived at a similar conclusion. San Antonio, Texas excluded students from public and private schools who were not vaccinated for smallpox. This included the challenger in the case, Rosalind Zucked. Her attorneys argued the vaccine policy violated her 14th Amendment due process rights as well. Justice Louis Brandeis wrote in the court's decision that, quote, long before this suit was instituted, Jacobson versus Massachusetts had settled that it is in within that it is within the police power of a state to provide for compulsory vaccination. According to the Congressional Research Service's most recent analysis, the general principles in Jacobson and Zuck form the basis for modern vaccine mandate policies, even though the court's interpretations of the 14th Amendment have changed since 1922. In a recent lawsuit, a federal court declined to grant an injunction against a public university's vaccine mandate. Eight Indiana students, Indiana University students, had sued the school over a mandatory vaccine policy that blocked students from registering for class if they were not vaccinated. Under the, under the university policy, students could apply for a medical or religious exemption if they agreed to wear masks and undergo COVID-19 testing. That at least seems somewhat reasonable. On August 2nd, 2021, a federal appeals court upheld a lower court ruling in favor of the university, finding there was not enough evidence that the students' constitutional rights were being violated. The decision may be appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. Another recent lawsuit filed by a law professor at George Mason University has challenged that school's vaccine mandate as well. However, the broad powers held by states to control vaccine policy can also be used by state governments to block vaccine mandates in certain situations at lower government levels and in the private sector. As of August 2nd, at least 14 states had enacted COVID-19-related laws that barred employer vaccine mandates, school vaccine mandates, or vaccine passports. At a federal level, the vaccine mandate question is more complicated, with few exceptions The CRS says there are no laws that allow the federal government to issue a vaccine mandate to the general population. These exceptions include requiring proof of vaccination for immigrants, requesting permanent resident status, and vaccine mandates for military service members, allowing for certain exemptions. Recently, President Biden ordered federal employees and contractors to attest to getting vaccinated or undergo weekly testing and other safety protocols. According to the CRS, several federal vaccine mandate actions are theoretically possible. The executive branch could cite Section 361 of the Public Health Service Act, which allows the Department of Health and Human Services or the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to make necessary measures, quote, to prevent the introduction, transmission, or spread of communicable diseases from foreign countries into the states or possessions or from one state or possession into another state or possession. Under the Constitution's spending clause, Congress could provide financial incentives for states to enact mandates. It could also regulate vaccine requirements related to interstate travel under the Commerce Clause. But any federal actions to enforce or incentivize vaccine mandates may face legal challenges based on the Tenth Amendment's prohibition on commandeering or forcing states to use their own resources to carry out federal policies. And just to pause there for a second, I mean, I'd be interested to know what a court would think about someone who makes the case that you have illegal immigrants coming into the country that are not being vaccinated, that are not even being asked if they're vaccinated, certainly not being mandated to get vaccinated, and then you 
are, I can't see, how is that not an um, equal protection case would be something I would be interested in. So more on this when we get back. from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. So just to finish off on this constitutional, uh, some of the constitutional issues with vaccines here, and then we'll get to a story Rick has about uh, the football coach we told you about up there in Washington. In addition, several federal laws, this is probably the, the, the most interesting part of the article and, and most relatable to the current situations. In addition, several federal laws allow for vaccine exemptions for employees based on religious beliefs. Um, under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and disability status under Title I of the Americans with Disabilities Act. The U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission confirmed these exemptions in May 2021. Federal EEO laws do not prevent an employer from requiring all employees physically entering the workplace to be vaccinated for COVID-19. So as long as employers comply with the reasonable accommodations provision, That's key, I think. Reasonable accommodation provisions of the ADA and Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. uh, I'm sorry, Title, uh, what did I say? Yeah, Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and other EEO considerations, the commission said in a statement. The allowance of vaccine exemptions based on religious beliefs in particular will remain an important question as this debate continues to grow over vaccine mandates at the federal and state levels, as well as in the private sector. As of May 2021, 44 states and the District of Columbia had laws that allowed students to claim a religious exemption to immunizations, while 14 states allowed for uh, philosophical exemptions. In the Indiana University case, State Attorney General Todd Rokita protested the school's initial policy, which required proof of vaccination. Rikita said the policy conflicted with a new state law that now bars vaccine passports in the state. The university then changed its rules to allow students to attest to their uh, vaccine status online without presenting proof. To be sure, there'll be more controversies over vaccine policy. So the, the reasonable accommodations... I don't know, you know, I don't know how much of a, you know, to the interpretation of what that means, but it certainly seem, would seem to me that um, I've had, I've had COVID, I've recovered, I can show proof of antibodies. There have been plenty of studies that show that my protection is better than anybody who's got the vaccination. Well, is that so? Is it a reasonable accommodation to say that's a fair argument? It would seem to me that it is. Yeah, you would think so. I'm not going to get vaccinated. But I'll submit to weekly testing, and uh, even if even if I have to wear a mask while I'm on the uh, in the building, is that a reasonable accommodation? It would seem to me that it is. So these are the things: the reasonable accommodations provision of the ADA and Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. To me, seems like the key here for an attorney who knows a hell of a lot more about this than I do um, to to talk about here because. It just doesn't seem like it should be so black and white. You either get it or you're fired. And, and that, that these people who have been terminated would have no recourse because I, I just find it hard to believe they don't have any recourse. 
And sounds like so. You're saying what's the what's the report out of Washington now? Now remember, uh, Rick brought this up in one of his sports reports about the Washington State football coach uh, Rolovich, who got fired for failing to get the vaccine. Well, he's not going to be just uh, walking away from the, uh, the the football team that easily. Turns out, uh, Rolovich has several years and roughly nine million dollars remaining on his contract at the time of dismissal, and now he is filing a lawsuit against the school on the argument that he was released as a result of a discriminatory and vindictive behavior. The coach, Nick Rolovich, whose salary totaled uh, 3.1 annually, is specifically citing the behavior of the school athletic director, Pat Chun. Rolovich cited religious beliefs as the reason he remained unvaccinated despite a statewide order ordered by Governor Jay Inslee, the big D there next to his name. Uh, the mandate applies to health care workers, all public employees in the state as well. Brian Failing, an attorney for Rolovich, said in a statement, it is tragic and damning commentary on our culture and more specifically on Chun that Coach Rolovich has been derided, demonized, and ultimately fired from his job merely for being, a devout, being devout in his Catholic faith. Ah, so we see the angle they're going for here. It's about uh, his religious side. Uh, Since at least early April, it became clear that Chun had already determined that Coach Rolovich would be fired. Chun's animus toward the coach sincerely toward the coach's sincerely held beliefs and Chun's dishonesty at the expense of Coach Rolovich during the past year is damning and will be thoroughly detailed in litigation. Chun's discriminatory and vindictive behavior has caused immeasurable harm to Coach Rolovich and his family, his attorney said. And that coming from Just the News. So you can see that, uh, you know what? Maybe this is the first of many. And especially because he did file the religious exemption uh, paperwork that says that's why he's not going to get vaccinated. You know, I mean, again, again, it also would seem to me that this uh, accommodations, I mean, to make, I mean, there, a- any good attorney could make a very, very compelling case uh, especially given all of the information that we have out from the CDC themselves about these vaccines and how they've gone from, they just keep moving the goalposts to the studies out of um, Israel talking about the efficacy of these vaccinations and how they decline, how quickly they decline, how quickly, now there's studies out, by the way, about the antibody levels that you get from the vaccine shots and how those decline after two doses, the Pfizer one specifically, there was a study, 4,800-member study out of um, the Jerusalem Post. They just came out with this. Uh, 4,800 staff members were invited to undergo periodical uh, tests that measure the level of antibodies in the blood for a period of six months. Antibody levels decreased rapidly after two doses of the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine. This is from the Sheba Medical Center, published in the New England Journal of Medicine. Mm. Research also showed the probability that different groups of individuals based on age and general health status will find themselves below a certain antibody threshold after a period of six months. The hope is that these findings will help identify the levels associated with the different clinical outcomes, for example, offering good protection against serious symptoms. So there's just, I mean, you could make a very reasonable argument that there should be considerations given to the totality of evidence that we now have on all of this vaccines their efficacy how long they last now how long your antibodies last versus if you have gotten it naturally survived have antibodies 
they last longer. Your protection is better. Um, and if you're, I mean, there has to be some accommodations made for these people. You know, your constitutional rights just don't get nullified, become CEOs that decides, well, no, that's, that, that's, no, he doesn't get the right, he doesn't have the ability to do that. It doesn't get nullified because the CEO decides to. Or because Dr. Fauci says so. Well, for, cert, for, for sure, him. He should be in an orange jumpsuit somewhere in um, Rikers, hey. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Hey, another piece of this, uh, which is an interesting little nugget here on this story, again, from John Solomon's Just the News. Uh, the attorney is also pointing to the deceitfulness of the university and of Chun in particular about being able to being unable to accommodate the coach even if his religious exemption request had been granted, is exemplified, it says here, by Chun's actions. Check this out. He arranged a secret donor trip that he had Coach, that he had coach Rolovich attend at the height of the pandemic in July of 2020. During that excursion, Chun and other attendees contract, contracted the disease, but Coach Rolovich did not. So as you can see, even even during the height of the quote-unquote pandemic this guy chun was was still using his coach like hey let's go let's go bring some money in man i just it's hard for me to believe these people don't have don't have the ability to push back so um all right couple things today uh, speaking of covid couple things that'll make you want to pull your hair out um white house covid response team Cut 30, G. <clears throat> Let's see how this went down today. Roll that. So, you know, our goal here is to vaccinate as many kids 5 to 11 years oh. of age as possible because we know, as Dr. Walensky will expand upon, uh, that vaccines are our path to accelerate out of this pandemic. Um, we have a supply for 28 million. That's all kids ages 5 to 11 years old. There are many families that are eagerly awaiting the opportunity to get vaccinated. And as Dr. Murthy said, there's also some families with questions. Uh, as we've seen with adults, confidence grows across time. At the start of the vaccination program, uh, nine months ago, only 34% of adults were eager to get the shot. And today, 79% of adults have at least their first shot. So confidence increases just, across just time. Just stop it for one second, <laughs> Any reasonable person who's doing any reasonable um, digging into vaccines, this vaccine specifically, and some of the side effects and problems that some people have had, millions have gotten it that haven't granted. But, you know, you, you, have, you have kids, you have, you have one chance to get it right. You don't have to play the odds and go, well, you know, we're going to do, we'll do this 10 times the odds of it. No, no, you got one chance to make the right decision for your kids. You're going to have that little thought in the back of your mind. What if now, if it's something where it's life or death, then yeah, you got to make that decision and live with it, but not when it's 99.999%, your kids are going to do fine. If they even were to contract it, if they even knew they had it. That's not a decision that you want to make as a parent. 
So when he says that it's it's although that's going up, parents says the more research they do, the more they really can't wait to run down to their doctor or their CVS or do. Well, I, I just can't even imagine that that's true. He's, I, no, I just he's can't imagine that's true. No, he's lying. Because how could anybody do enough, do any basic research into this, into the issues that have been around? There's another story out today of an NBA player, by the way, I believe, who got the vaccine and started developing blood clots. He's done for the season. Is he done for the season? Or uh, Because I read a story about that as well last I week. I thought that's what the... And I thought, I thought it was said. I thought he was done like he's out of the league now. NBA player got blood clots from COVID vaccine that ends his season. NBA told him yeah. to keep it quiet. Yep. Brandon Goodwin, an NBA player with the Atlanta Hawks, admitted recently they got blood clots from the COVID vaccine that ended his season. The NBA told him to take to keep it quiet. He said, "I got sick." And I never quite recovered from it. I would, have, I would always have back pain. I was just super tired after games. I was tired. I felt like I couldn't run up and down the court. Then my back started hurting, and I really felt like I couldn't run up and down the court. My back really started hurting bad. Then I'm like, okay, I need to go to the doctor. That's when I find out I had blood clots. That's all within the span of the month that I received it. Goodwin is confident that it was from the COVID vaccine. I was fine until then. I was fine up until I took the vaccine. I was fine. Um, People were trying to tell me, no, it's not the vaccine. How do you know, he says. You don't know. He said, the vaccine, as far as I'm concerned, ended my season 1,000%. His story is being hidden by the NBA in the fake news media. They'd rather continue to lie to you and watch a man's life and dedication be ruined than speak out about what could be these dangerous vaccines. So. Studio 6B on a Wednesday. Let's do some news and here with the news sponsored by Pfizer is uh, Rick Delgado. <laughs> Was that unbelievable? That crazy town that you just don't realize it, right? How they've got their grubby little their mitts into zillionaire mitts into everything, everything. It's scary and you don't realize it. You just don't realize it. Yeah, it just flies by just and they're, but they're not on here, nor will they ever be. No. Unless it's, I don't know, how many zero? Well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do the news. All right. Well, uh, political, uh, well, politics, the word of the day, Senate Republicans block Democrats' federal voting rights legislation today, a move that could spur renewed calls among Democrats to change or abolish the filibuster rules. Today, the Senate Republicans blocked debate on sweeping federal voting rights legislation backed by President Biden. I can't believe I just said that on uh, uh, earlier today in a move that will likely renew those calls, like I mentioned, to alter the filibuster rules. The Senate voted 49 to 51 
49 to 51. So uh, on whether to take up the Freedom to Vote Act, falling far short of the 60 votes required to overcome a GOP filibuster, Senate uh, Majority Leader Chucky Schmucky Schumer switched his vote to a nay in a procedural move that allow him to submit the legislation for a revote. The result marked the third time this year that Republicans have blocked the legislation, which Democrats have supported in response to the passage of election security overhauls in GOP-led states. And, of course, President Biden slammed Republicans for blocking the consideration of the voting rights legislation in a scathing statement. Yeah, oh, um, sure, sure, yeah. Oh, How dare they not let us take <laughs> over and nationalize these elections into the iron-fisted, centralized government that we're becoming even more and more every day? How dare those? Those damn Republicans not let us nationalize these elections so we never lose. Actually, he didn't say it like that. He said it more like this. Senate Democrats have worked hard to ensure the bulls includes traditionally bipartisan provisions. Really? But it's not Senate, a joke. Not Senate, a joke, folks. Not, not a joke, folks. And, and like my, my pappy used to tell me, Senate Republicans are likely to block even debate on the bill. As if it happened before the yeah. voting rights bill. All right, well, here's what Kamala Harris said about it. Yes. Cut 40, G. Roll that. <laughs> What options do Democrats have left on voting rights? It's clear that Republicans are not going to support this. Well, let's oh, start way, with what just By the happened. way, that, that question, or maybe <laughs> yeah. more of a, um agitated um, protest, is from Yamichi Alcindor. I could tell by just her voice. Supposed journalist over at uh, something that you pay for, I believe over at NPR or something. Sounds like a real good. Sounds like a real question. What can we do now? They won't vote for it. Let's hear what the vice president said. Which is the United States Senate and members of the United States Senate had an opportunity to uphold the importance of every American's right to exercise their fundamental right in a democracy, which is the right to vote. Well, we're a republic, so. When presented with this opportunity, the Democrats unanimously upheld the importance of that right, and the Republicans, sadly, unanimously, failed to do so. So we're not going to give up. We're not deterred. Um, but there's still a lot of work to do, and I think it's really a sad day. I thought that Senator Schumer, the majority leader, he spoke. Ah, get out of here. Just the most disingenuous, gold-plated phony ever, Kamala Harris. She's just a deterred. Worst vice president. Only worst vice president, well, was Joe Biden. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm not even sure. That's a tie. It's a tie. He's the he's the dumbest vice president. She's probably the worst, and he's the worst president, clearly. But, um, I mean, we all know what's going on here. It's, it's like the spending bill. They're trying to, as they tell us, fundamentally transform the country into something that, slowly but surely, you will not recognize, and some of you already think you don't recognize it. Well, it's only going to get worse as they try to take a little piece by piece by piece by piece until you turn around and you go, wait, what, what happened? Whoa. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah, but they keep trying to tell you that you really want to do this. No, we don't. Not at all. But that's, uh, that's how they do it, one piece at a time. Another piece, just oh, so... By the way, just to finish on that, they yeah. will not... Uh, Joe Manchin, by the way, there's rumors today that Joe Manchin's talking about getting so frustrated with this party. Now, he unequivocally denied it today that he, he, he may get to the point where he leaves the party. And if they go after the filibuster, that could be his red line. He's already said he won't, would not vote to end the filibuster, and Cinema did as well. Right. 
So I don't think that's an option for them unless he completely, absolutely caves. I have a sneaky suspicion, though, given that we saw that video of him standing behind Schumer with his hand on his face, Mm -hmm. walking off. I think Joe Manchin could be at the end of his rope with this party. I don't know what it means. I don't even, I don't know. Maybe not. You know, I'm sure if they were to uh, come from 3.5 down to 1.5 and try to, um, you know, make an end around and come in the back door, he might give in. But I got a feeling he might be at about at the end of his rope. And if they go for the filibuster, I would think that would probably be it. You but think well, he would? But I don't know. Uh, I don't know what he would do. He'd probably go independent, if anything. I don't think he would become a Republican. I just don't see that happening. Anyhow, uh, another uh, another example of how they're going bit by bit against uh, things that we find and hold sacred. Uh, I brought this up last week about Superman. Well, it turns out. Superman will no longer stand for the quote-unquote American way, according to DC Comics, one of the officials at the DC Fandom Convention last Saturday. The Man of Steel's motto will change, they say, from truth, justice, and the American way, you know, the one we've all known throughout decades, uh, to truth, justice, and a better tomorrow, according to Jim Lee, the chief creative uh, officer and publisher at DC Comics. The change is is intended to better reflect the storylines that we're telling across DC and to honor Superman's incredible incredible legacy over uh, over 80 years of building a better world. Superman in comics, film, and other platform has been carrying uh, by varying mantras since his his first appearance in 1938. Still, every variation has included truth, justice, and the American way. The motto originated in the 40s as an effort to generate support for the U.S. military during World War II. And then following on the heels of that, turns out that was uh, one step too far because a Superman colorist is quitting over the comics embrace of wokeness. Uh, quoted as saying, I'm tired of this S. Yes, a colorist involved in creating the Superman comic says he's quitting his position in response to the wokeness that has permeated the franchise. He goes, I'm finishing out my contract with DC. I'm tired of this S. I'm tired of them ruining these characters. They don't have a right to do this. Superman, son of Cal L. uh, Colorist Gabe Eatlab said during a recent podcast, what really pisses me off, what, uh, what really pissed me off was saying truth, justice, and a better world, he said. F that. It's truth, justice, and the American way. My grandpa almost died in World War II. We don't have a right to destroy S uh, that people died for to give us. It's just a bunch of effing nonsense. Well, I mean, this guy's got to relax. Watch his language here. Jeez. Man, oh, man. As you can tell, I didn't pre-read the story. I went you know, with the headline. I, I, we could tell. Um, Superman wouldn't talk like that. Yeah, exactly, no, That's wouldn't. exactly right. Um, so... News 10, ABC News 10 out of Albany, New York, has a story that's out tonight. So attention to all news media in New York. If, if you, when the governor does a next press conference, if someone could have the guts to maybe bring this story up, it'd be interesting to know. Out of Albany County, new numbers. From September 8th to October 19th, the percentage of vaccinated people who caught COVID-19 was 49%. 66% of residents in Albany County are fully vaccinated. 49% was the number who came into a hospital between September 8th 
and October 19th, vaccinated people caught COVID. So when we hear that lunatic governor of New York talk like we played that clip yesterday, it'd be nice if somebody in the media in New York who has some of this information could ask her a question about it and see if she'd be willing to give any answer to her precious vaccines that are not working. from Studio 6B, Hour 2 on a Wednesday night. Rick Delgado and me hanging out with you on a Wednesday. Rick Amorati's off, had his hip replaced today. Feeling good, though. Paul's uh, recovering from coronavirus, also feeling good. Saw him on Skype today. Looks good. Uh, Geo Fran holding it down, as always. And uh, Slick Rick actually put out a tweet. Oh, come on. To everyone. Oh, okay. It was about 15 minutes ago. And what did it say? says, hello, all my dear friends and followers. Thank you for the beautiful messages regarding my hip replacement surgery <laughs> earlier. Queen of England here. <laughs> <laughs> all went extremely well, and now on to the road to recovery. <laughs> hello, everybody. Hope, hope to be back on LFS6B real soon. Miss and heart you all. Okay. Is there uh, a donation link at the bottom? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah exactly. Cards. GoFundMe set up for his... His gambling losses. Cards and flowers can be sent to the studio. <laughs> exactly. Checks written. <laughs> Checks make, make filled them out to Big D. Yeah, make them payable to uh, Dave. Exactly. So <laughs> during the break, I was watching Bongino on, um, on Fox talking about his stance. Man, he's just powerful. And just common sense, man. Just makes a lot of sense. And like he said, he makes no money. He said, listen, I've got this leverage, and I'm going to use it. And I'm using it. And, yeah. um, and he talked about earlier today, I was listening to his podcast, that he's had some intense phone conversations the last couple days with Cumulus. Yeah. So, you know, he goes, I could be, uh, you know, he gave you the impression that he may not be long for the Cumulus world. He may not be. Wouldn't surprise me. They, I mean, they're looking at it as what is what if if I mean well yeah I I don't see how they gave it, it would be amazing if they did and what that would be the domino that that would be and what would happen from there would be interesting to see right I don't think they can um but good for Dan still for doing it we'll see what happens but uh, you know it got me also to thinking about your what even is that last night which was really spot on the point all of it was but the the part I kept thinking about was the um the simple part of if, if, if this is allowed to continue to go on with no pushback, what do you think is coming next? What part of your life are you giving up next? What part of your liberty are you giving up next? To think that they, if you think, well, okay, let's just all, for the betterment of, uh, you know, let's all just give in and get it. 
and then everything will go back to no, no, no. It's not going back to anything. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's going to get worse. The next thing is going to be the the next thing, whatever they decide it's going to be. And it's just, it's just it's going to have even less of ground to stand on. Well, you know what's next, unfortunately. And it's something that uh, I've been seeing and hearing a lot of in the last week or so. I don't know if you've been uh, paying attention to Jack Posobiec and some of the things he's talked about, this transhumanism stuff. And now uh, Facebook is going to change the, the, uh, the company. They're going to become a metaverse company, whatever that means. Yeah, I um, like that, by the way. It's, it's not really something to like, the way it's being described. Well, I don't know how they're describing it, but the metaverse goes along with obviously um, a lot of what's going on in crypto and just the whole digital world that we live in. Now, I don't know what what you're speaking to specifically, but um, Facebook, the company, is going to change their name, and because they have apps like Facebook, the app, Instagram, the app, and a bunch of other ones they're developing. Yeah, but what I'm saying is Rick's making people's definition of pe- pe- my definition of the metaverse is is the digital world that we live in. Your digital identity, uh, in 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 like the crypto is digital currency, money. Uh, when you think of the metaverse, you think of NFTs, non fungible tokens, uh, art, uh, music. I believe goes into the metaverse, meaning I think artists, the way they sell their music, will change. The way that artists, physical artists, and art is going to change. You're already seeing it. You're seeing NFTs, pictures, what we would consider even JPEGs selling for hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. Um, because in a world of greed, people like scarcity. People like owning the one of one. So when I think of metaverse, and, I think, and I'll, I'll just give him the benefit of the doubt here, I think what he's trying to get into is is that part of it what we're seeing the growth in nfts the growth in the digital world the growth in you're seeing digital real estate um you're seeing real estate digitized tokenized uh banking you're seeing decentralized finance continue to grow people will make the argument that um the blockchain will will in 15 20 years could possibly start to uh replace banking as we know it that, that you will not have a bank you'll you'll bank yourself through um in the metaverse so i don't, I don't want to give the idea that I, whatever you're saying is it's not something to like if you read it i, I don't right. know what you're talking about but that's what i'm talking about when i talk about the metaverse and facebook having um going there i can see why because think- they want to have their own digital coin they're supposed to have libra then that changed they just rolled out their novi wallet which is going to allow people to um transact money cross-border payments you know remittances is a huge deal if you live in a developing country third world country you know you people whether they come here legally illegally they come here to work they send money back remittances to send 500 dollars, it costs them 250 of it to just send it cross-border payments so you're starting to see that change so i think they're getting into some of that which i think some of that could be beneficial to the world right given the size of their company now they could change their name from Facebook to a surveillance book. I wouldn't be surprised about that either. But what were you going to say, Jay? I was just going to say, I think Zuckerberg just wants to take more, uh, you know, disaster zones and turn them into a VR playground like he did with uh, Puerto Rico. I don't know if anybody remembers that. Uh, listen, I'm certainly not going to sit here and say all their intentions are grand and, and are going to be great. Uh, do I think the metaverse is something that we're all going to become in more contact with? Absolutely. I think a lot of the world is going there. 
when it comes to a lot of different things. But um, specifically, We're there already, really, yeah. Specifically, what Rick's talking about, I don't know. But um, what what is the readout that you said? If you read it, um, you don't. And this comes from a guy named Joe Allen. He's he's been featured on uh, on Bannon a few times in the war room. The last time I've seen him, and it's just very scary, interesting, you know, stuff that relates to AI, robotics, how to uh, you know, kind of how, how to make <laughs> how to make us obsolete, basically. Um, you know, and it kind it kind of takes it takes you down that road. So if you want to check him out, his his Substack is Joe Bot. Joe J O E B O T Joebot.substack.com. You can read about that stuff. It has to do with the Great Reset, artificial intelligence, how how it's all melding together. Um, and it sounds like, you know, some of the things that, that I've heard them talk about, especially when it comes to Facebook, is that Zuckerberg wants to go down that road of trying to incorporate as much AI as possible. I don't know if that's something that we should embrace, because that again, the 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 net outcome is for them to try. Uh, I guess they want to make the human being obsolete. I guess. Well, what? I mean, but what, is, what does that mean? What does that mean? That means you know, remove, you know, uh, auto, uh, automate as much as possible. I know the guy from Google is trying to you know is sharing as much stuff with the government as he can to automate as much of the government as you can, which again is a scary thing. Do you want something that? Uh, you know, is a machine controlling and, and and taking care of all these things that, you know, maybe we should have people in charge of. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, I think that's a different argument from what my definition of the metaverse would be, at least right. as far as where I spend my time researching it is more in what I describe. So not to, you know, that could very well be, and I don't know the answer to all that. Um, I haven't listened to, I haven't read this or, or listened to it, so. Yeah, it's um, pretty scary stuff. Especially when you think about, you know, of course, we always see it in the movies where they try and meld, you know, we're going to create the perfect human, we're going to meld machine and, and, you know, the brain and, you know, RoboCop and Terminator and all that stuff. And then you start to see some of this stuff where, you know, they're creating these robots that look very lifelike. Well, you see it out of Boston. um, Boston Dynamics. You see this. uh, You see the robots they've already created. They're dancing and opening doors and doing backflips and doing all kinds of... There's video of these Boston Dynamics robots already. That Sophia robot that has citizenship in whatever country wants to have a baby, she said. I'm sure it does. Good to know. Good to know. And that same company that makes her uh, is rolling out a bunch of models to take care of the elderly. I mean, listen, people people (laughs) have warned about... uh, Maybe Joe Biden should look into that. People have talked about, obviously... Um, AI and robotics taking over assembly lines and all these kind of things for a long time. I, I, I mean, I don't know when companies look at the bottom line and profit. I, I don't, I don't know how you, um, I don't know how you stop that kind of of progress. I mean, the more um, demonic things that sounds like you're talking about, I don't, I don't have an answer to. But right, I and mean, I think there's some of it that's going to be unavoidable when it comes to certain parts of life not that it's good by the way because it's just going to mean less jobs like you said for for people who maybe can only work that job yeah so it's 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 stuff you know, again it's called transhumanism um it, it's you know it, it's viewed as an extension of you know the human but yeah. in, in what respect and and how much is left 
and what the goal is is some pretty scary stuff when you start thinking about you know because everything is created hey we got this great new thing what can we use it for invariably governments get involved and be like well we can use it for war we can kill people with this you know or you you know something that is that could be you know developed for good invariably can be used in the wrong hands for evil so it it just seems like we're heading down that road and it seems to be accelerating at a pace that I don't think uh, we, we're ready for. Okay. Well, let's just say, put it this way. My metaverse is going to be way nicer than Delgado. <laughs> so you can come to mine where we're going to have <laughs> NFTs and um, crypto. You're all going to make a lot of money and we'll have gaming and music and uh, real estate and um, play to earn uh, games, which is gonna, are going to take over and... And you're going to be wearing those big goggles, and you're going to be laying no, no, on your not, on your. On no, no, your, no! I'm not going to be doing any of that. On so. your couch, mine will be much nicer than Delgado's, who will be uh, planning World War Seven or whatever. Yeah, come visit the Damon verse. Yeah. <laughs> yes, come to the Damon verse. It's much nicer than Delgado verse, where he's I don't know what demonic. So I'm not demonic. Well, no, not you. I mean, your 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 metaverse is sounding very oh, demonic. It's so. it, what I heard sounds demonic. I'm okay. just saying what I heard. And, and you know what? The, the, Are you going to go to that one or come no, to mine? I'll go to yours. Okay. All right. As long as I don't have to, uh, you All know, right. the entry fee is one Bitcoin. So make sure you have it ready. All right. What else? <laughs> Today's <Eddie>? price or? <laughs> Today's price. <laughs> you might as well beat today because it's only going to be more expensive tomorrow. So take lock in today's while you can. Um, uh, all right, what else is going on in the news? Uh, let's see. There's a bunch of things floating out there. You know, one thing that was interesting that I noticed, and it comes from, uh, I mentioned it the other day, where China developed the, or, or they tested that hypersonic missile. Yeah, sure. We welcome competition. Well, now China's denying testing a nuclear-capable oh, sure. hypersonic yeah, missile. Sure. Yeah, they yeah. said They said, no, 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 no. That was just a routine spacecraft experiment. Um, according to the Financial Times, again, they, they reported that China tested this nuclear-capable hypersonic missile. When asked about the report at a regular press briefing the day after, China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs spokesperson, who I can't pronounce his name, said the August test was a spacecraft, not a missile. This was, this was a test of a routine spacecraft experiment to verify the reusable technology of our spacecraft. Yeah, sure. So, that sounds believable. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday. More to do. Crazy Town. Biden visits home. Coming up. Which one? Studio 6B, so the um, emails are already coming in hot and heavy with links to videos of mind-melding uh, robots that are going to take over the world, and that's fine. Uh, Debbie uh, says, uh, Rick has it right. AI becomes more relevant than humankind. Very scary. Okay. Mike says, um, you guys forgot to mention that they're making Superman now a bisexual, as Biden would say, no joke. Okay. No, I mentioned that last week. That's right. In your what even is that, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, Jim says, come on, D. Do you really believe he's worth anything mansion that is? Do you, don't you remember his Zoom call with reps a few months ago? He's a gold-plated rhino. And if he joins the Republican Party, he's going to be a deciding vote in favor of the Dems as long as he's well paid for his vote. Mansion should be... Um... <laughs> I can't read that line. <laughs> come on, Jim. I can't, I can't wish them in a firing squad. 
Um, I saw someone call him the Manchinian candidate today. (laughs) Let's see. um, Karen says, while watching your... I know, I'm glad I saw this email because I want to address this. But... (laughs) What? We are not responsible for the commercials that play when we go to commercial. <laughs> I get at least 10 to 12 emails a night screaming at me about the commercials. I don't pick the commercials. The um, the AI robots pick the commercials. It all it all <laughs> it's, it's, it is not my control what commercials you see, whether they're in English or Spanish or they're, they're right or left or liberal or conservative. I have nothing. Rav has nothing. We have all have nothing to do with it. So... It all goes by your location, your IP address, where you are, and what they think your interests are. So talk to... Um, yeah, change your interests. Because obviously the commercials are shown for you. Talk to the AI <laughs> robots. They're the ones um, firing up the commercials. So, uh, see, now, see, now you're making fun of the AI robot thing. <laughs> you're, you're doing your Jen Psaki imitation. Oh, I guess you're just uh, going to fire up your AI robots. No, then. no. I'm, she's a propagandist. Oh. Man. Like um that's just funny uh let's do um let's do our other lol of the day g because people are gonna if you've watched this show long enough you're gonna get a kick out of this so uh now this is um well g should we show it or should we set it up then show it let's just say it's a sequel to uh something else we've played before okay sequel to something <laughs> else we've played before that's good enough All for right. me roll it g Until the coronavirus is resolved, <laughs> criminals take guy. a break. So yeah. everybody chill. Yeah. Crooks, criminals, you chill. <laughs> so just chill out. You know, drink a 7-Up, eat a moon pie, <laughs> quit murdering people. <laughs> Is that all it takes? <laughs> Is that all it takes to stop crime? That's it. Holy moly. Drink hey, a- Mayor Lightfoot, get yourself a 12-pack of 7-Up uh, yeah, and some moon up, pies and go hand pie. them out. Now, that's the sheriff in Polk County, Florida. <laughs> that's the see there, the flag over there, state of Florida. Quit now, murdering people. We've seen him before with DeSantis on, through some of the defund the police stuff and some of the other things that have gone on down there. With the rioters in the streets, we we've seen him. He, he's he's been pretty solid. So, but yes, he took he did take a page out of our guy from Houston. Let's see that one more time, G. <laughs> one, one more time from the beginning. Roll that. <laughs> yeah, this is our buddy from Houston, Texas. Yeah, this guy's until awesome. the coronavirus is resolved. Criminals take a break. Sure. So yeah. everybody chill. Yeah. Crooks, criminals, you chill. <laughs> Seems simple enough. What a, what a theory. Yeah. So just chill out. Chill out. Yeah, drink a 7-Up. Eat a moon pie. Quit murdering people. <laughs> That's it. Come on now. That's what you got to do. So. Right. I, I, I wonder what he suggests if you're, if you're still robbing banks. Do you need a Dr. Pepper and uh, maybe <laughs> could, a bag of Doritos it could be and something. stop robbing banks? Yeah. I mean, for all of the thought that's gone into how to police all these major cities, I mean, who knew it would be so simple? Just chill, drink a Diet Coke, eat a Moon Pie. That's it. We're good. Have a 7-Up. I got to invest in 7-Up and Moon Pies. Yeah. Mayor, uh, 
Mayor Lightfoot really needs to get on the ball here. Maybe she's just going about it all wrong, and that's why Chicago is such a disaster. By the way, that's also why three people showed up to the Chicago uh, Sky, our other <laughs> LOL video of the day, the uh, NWNBA championship parade with, with um, well, about two people there. Well, now we know why de Blasio, they what? They didn't hand out bulletproof vests oh. for the streets of Chicago, probably. <laughs> Now we know why de Blasio is defunding the police and getting rid of the uh, the, the street the street crime squad is because he had to buy up a bunch of 7-ups yeah. and moon pies and hand them out to all the criminals. So speaking of Florida, by the way, I did see this to be serious. This is the new Surgeon General of Florida today. I don't know if he was injured. I guess this is maybe his first day on the job. Was he introduced today? I'm not no, sure. He's He's been around for a couple of months, I believe. Okay, well, it said he was new, new Surgeon General here. Um, play that, Jay. I, I want you guys to step back for a moment from what you hear sort of constantly on TV and just very briefly in terms of the data that uh, that supports masked use in kids and mandates for masking kids, it is very weak and that's a fact. But there's a substantial gap between the quality of the data, data out there supporting masking kids, yielding any benefit for kids whatsoever factual and the what we're hearing from some of our public health leadership in other states and nationally in florida we're going to stay close to the data and we're going to let you know how we feel about the data and the data do not support any clinical benefit for children in schools with mask mandates the highest quality data find no evidence of benefit and and that's how and we're going to stick with that because that's what the data show um, and the other thing I'll just add is that, you know, as a parent, hearing these stories of other parents and what they're going through and seeing other parents around the country, these are impossible situations parents are being put in. Putting a mask, something on the face of your child, is that's a parent's decision. It's not a school's decision, it's not a school board's decision, it's not a governor's decision. It's, it's no one else's decision except for the parent. And parents are being placed in these impossible situations related to the health of their children. Um, I'm here to help support parents in, in voicing how they feel their children should, uh, should sort of present, should be in the world, and I'm gonna be here to, to help with that, to support that. Yeah, it's interesting, the U.S. Secretary of Education, he, he did like some tweet thread, like it was like a month ago, and he's like, see, follow the data on the mass, and he was citing, he cited a few studies. He cited one study from North Carolina, which said, force masking of kids work, but it had no control group because that was required in every school. So they just said it worked without comparing it against what if you didn't do that? And people pointed that out immediately. Then he cited a study from the university or from uh, Wisconsin about it. And the researcher who did the study immediately responded to the tweet and said, we found no uh, conclusive evidence on the force masking. Uh, and then and basically said that you should not use my study to do that. Yeah. So what a novel idea. Look at the data, have the professionals read it, and then actually do what the data says. Yeah. And you know what's insane is that I've got a story I was going to hit a little bit later, but I might as well hit it now as a Colorado school district is investigating allegations that teachers taped masks to students' face to students' faces at one of its schools. The school district in Colorado Springs opened its investigation after a photo of a student at Chinook Chinook. Trail Middle School was uh, shown with mask 
uh, taped to her face, and it was circulating on social media over the weekend. According to KKTV, a CBS local affiliate, multiple parents confirmed the allegations of students having their masks taped to their faces by teachers. The mother of the student in the photo, who wanted to be referred to only as Stephanie M., told the local news that her sixth grade daughter was only given one warning before her mask was taped, and that practice has been going on for weeks. Well, I mean, I, I just... It's insane. I'm just going to tell you that there would be there would be some teacher would have a serious problem if that was my kid. I just I don't know. You know, I try to think about I don't know. There would just I don't know. I, I would have I, I I would have serious problems. Well, you'd need- someone else would too, but I eventually would because I tell you. Just chill out. You know, drink a seven up, eat a moon pie, quit murdering people. All right, 30 minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B. So we have a um, we have a live look at the meeting that I would be having. After I got a call that my kid's uh, face mask was taped to their face. Roll the live look at that meeting, G. Just chill out. (laughs) Drink a 7-Up. Eat a moon pie. Quit murdering people. (laughs) Yeah. That would be my meeting after that, so. You'd need to get two lawyers. One for you to sue the school and one for you to get you out of jail. (laughs) One for me to get off of uh, (laughs) strangling charges of the teacher. Yes. Uh, all right, so let's do uh, Crazy Town, G. Biden goes home. Now, I don't know even where home is anymore because every time he goes somewhere, he tells us where he grew up is a different place. But uh, Biden goes home. Let's see it. Roll it. Spent an awful lot of time uh, across from St. Paul's uh, church. Looks happy to at, be there. Uh, my Uncle Jack Finnegan's house. His daughters are here. Oh, and uh, he was... Uh, he, Taught up at the U. Amtrak is here. They can tell you. Amtrak. You, can, you should name half the line after me. Yeah. He was in Florida. I am the most railroad guy you're ever going to meet. That's right. Not a joke. The railroad. What happened was, and uh, but I also there was a, but I uh, it turned out I was about number three in seniority on the road at the time. If you did, uh, now, well, I'm in terms of the actual time on the road, Ange came up to me one day when I was when they just had announced that I had flown uh, one million some X number of miles he, he flies on Air an Force Amtrak. aircraft. And Ange comes up and I'm getting in the car and he goes, Joey, baby, what are you doing? And I thought the Secret Service was going to shoot him. I said, no, 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 he's good, he's good. True story. And, uh, you know... Uh, That's how you know he's uh, lying. <laughs> you know, we, uh, it's interesting. I think I, I was told, I don't know if it's true, I was the only kid in my, in my era that I was able to walk across the lackey on that pipe that was just above the thing. My era. You know, it's like that old saying goes, you can take the boy out of Scranton, but you can't take Scranton out of the boy. Um, anyway. <laughs> 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 and, uh, you know, I, uh, I wasn't very big, but you could beat me, but I'd hurt you. <laughs> Um, you think I'm kidding, I'm not. Not a joke. Not a joke. Not a joke. Not a joke. It's real. It's not a joke. Think about it. Not joke. Not a joke. 
This is not hyperbole. This is a fact. Yeah. Oh. These are facts. Oh. What not are we truth. doing? This is the United States of America, damn it. What are we doing? Language. He needs a moon pie. We will take literally millions of automobiles off the road. Where? Off the road. Saving tens of millions of barrels of oil. We come out better than it was before. Because we don't give up. Sugar's dropping. We invest. <laughs> You've got to build the road back literally higher. Not a joke. Okay. We didn't just build an interstate highway system. We built a highway to the sky, to That's outer space. Why don't you take under it? this proposal, <laughs> and under this proposal, I'm, these proposals I'm talking about, they will not increase one single penny of the deficit. They are fully paid for. And all Wall Street points out they will grow employment by tens of thousands of people. Oh, they will. Tens of thousands of people. 17 Nobel laureates spontaneously, Nobel laureates in economy, in the economy, sent me a letter three weeks ago saying we'll also reduce, not increase inflation. All these letters. And the cost of the Build Back Better bill in terms of adding to the deficit is zero. 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 Like my IQ. Because we're going to pay for it all. In addition to that, half of it is a tax cut. And it does not increase the debt. Well, why do I have to pay for it if it's zero? Yeah. When you talk about the number, we shouldn't even talk about the numbers. No. Because it's all paid for, written in the same piece of legislation. He knows. He wrote you it. You know, when I use the phrase build back better, it's being used internationally now. Really? I got the G7, the largest countries in the world, to agree that we're going to have a, a build back better world. Oh. And we're going to invest and we're <laughs> going to build around the world. You know, the vast majority of people now, working people, live in cities. Wow. Their jobs are out of town, no longer in town. No longer in town. But 65% do not own an automobile. They live in a black or Hispanic neighborhood or a poor neighborhood. I remember riding a trolley. The way my grandpa got up here, my grandpa oh, no. Biden, he was up here opening up gas stations in 19... That's how he got here. This was 1942, <laughs> late 42. Help business produce more clean energy. It's real. I promise you. I won't be around to see it, but I promise you. One of the things the president uh, put me in charge of my... <laughs> I want to be clear here. President Obama put me in charge of when I was vice president. Yeah, the president. If you look at the world of advanced <laughs> economics right. and the, those advanced ec those with advanced economies, you have to have a lower income to qualify for Medi Medi Medicaid, not Medicare, Medicaid. I couldn't have been any clearer. <laughs> Guess what? 81 million people voted for me. Wow. <laughs> to bring that up again. <laughs> He's really uh, turning it into a stump speech now. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like pretty crazy. Let's go, Brandon. That's rough, man. That's just rough. To see the waves of like the... Uh, Lucidity. Like the sugar level dropping, yeah. going up. It's like the yelling, the whistling. Like the every talking. phase of him. Yeah, you really do. You see, it comes in phases. You're exactly right, G. The only thing we didn't see is when he grabs his, his belt buckle and jams it all the way up to his chest like that. that the, that's coming soon. I can't wait for that. We're getting all of the same, you know, the lines, the, the Joey baby story. Yep. The, uh, not, a, not a joke. It re, I mean, we're just, oof. What was that, like a, a montage of eight not a jokes in a row there, G? That was the best part, G. So um, <clears throat> let's see here. Her name is Holly 
A. Thomas. She's a nominee for the Ninth Circuit Lifetime Appointment. She's currently on the Superior Court of California, appointed by Governor Jerry Moonbeam Brown back in the day, I believe. She's being questioned by Ted Cruz today, and here's a little bit of how that went. Relevant to Loudoun County, what's going on? Roll that, G. Judge Thomas, welcome. Uh, as I look at your record, it continues a pattern of the Biden administration of nominating individuals to the bench who have long careers as activists. Throughout the course of this hearing, you have explained some of your prior positions as simply representing a client. But when I look at your career, I don't see that. I see that you are passionately committed to a particular vision of the law. Uh, it has ranged from filing briefs in litigation in the state of Texas, defending race-based discrimination in university admissions, to most consistently uh, transgender activism and I would submit extremism. And this hasn't been one client you had in one case. This has rather been a consistent pattern that extended when you were a lawyer for the state of California, that extended when you were a lawyer for the US Department of Justice, that extended when you were a lawyer for the state of New York. In three different jurisdictions, you have been involved in litigation on the extremes of transgender issues. And in particular, you've carved out an expertise for yourself using litigation to force institutions to allow biological males to use restroom facilities and locker facilities that are also used by girls, young girls, that are used by women. And this has been a pattern. When you were a lawyer for the state of California, you, you filed a lawsuit against Crunch Fitness, a gym, for not moving quickly enough to allow a biological male to use the women's locker room. When you were a lawyer for the state of New York, you filed briefs against the state of Texas, against the state of North Carolina, again, advocating for biological males to use girls and women's restrooms. And you know, the thing I find troubling about these arguments is it seems the women and girls never have any rights. That the girls that would like to shower next to someone who is not a biological male, who would like some privacy, their rights never seem to matter. And, and your pattern, it's not a single case. It is across three jurisdictions over and over again. In the Texas case, the brief you filed said, there, quote, there is no data or tangible evidence in support of the claim that allowing people to use bathrooms corresponding with their gender identity will lead to increased violence or crime in restrooms. Do you stand by that statement? Thank you for the question, Senator Cruz. Uh, so uh, again, as an advocate, you advocate for the positions of your, of your client. I haven't been an advocate for three years. I've been a judge. 
And when Three I years is not very long. And my question is simple. Do you stand by that statement? Senator Cruz, I, it would not be appropriate or consistent with my ethical duties to my former clients to comment on my personal views about any case that I, that I worked on. What my duty was, was to advocate zealously for my clients. I have set aside the advocacy role and I now occupy a judicial role. Where what you're Judge, your by. brief also contended, quote, in states where anti-discrimination protections are already the law, the predicted safety harm has never materialized. You made a bold, aggressive, factual statement, by the way. In North Carolina, you said safety concerns were, quote, unfounded. You were an aggressive advocate, an activist advocate. And I believe the statements that you represented to, to, to the court, and those are statements that you're making as an officer of the court, I believe they were false, and they are extreme. You've heard, you testified to this committee that, that, that you were not aware of what happened in Land Loudoun County until this morning. I find that remarkable for someone who has spent years as one of the leading activists for allowing transgender biological men to use girls' restrooms and women's restrooms. And Loudoun County, Scott Smith, who's the parent of a 14-year-old girl, alleged the Loudoun County School Board covered up the sexual assault by a gender-fluid individual against his ninth-grade daughter who entered the girls' bathroom in a skirt. And this individual was charged with two counts of forcible sodomy, one count of anal sodomy, and one count of forcible fellatio. The school district covered it up. They released this sexual predator, and the predator committed sexual assault again, twice. Why did you represent to the court that concerns about violent sexual predators committing violent crimes against young girls are unfounded and, and, and speculative? Why did you represent that to the court? Thank you for the question. <laughs> I advocated on behalf of my clients based upon the data that we had at the time, and I zealously, zealously did so in those cases and in every other case that I handled. Were, were you right? Senator Cruz, it would not be appropriate for me to comment <laughs> on... That's what's, that's going to go. be sitting on the bench in the Ninth Circuit. That, that's... That's half the problem in the country. That's what's going on in these. You know, we thought Trump would reshape the courts, and he did to some degree. Biden's having as much of an effect the wrong way so far, with the help of Lindsey Graham, by the way. to the hour live from studio 6b on a wednesday make sure you visit us on our social media trying to get that facebook to a hundred thousand uh facebook.com slash lfs6b twitter at lfs6b parlor rumble youtube getter getter is also at uh lfs6b if you haven't gotten your let's go brandon t-shirt let's go brandon hottest shirt in the world right there let's go brandon
Yeah, one of the guys on Telegram just posted a picture of himself wearing it. It looked pretty good. I'm trying to find it. Well, no, I mean, how did he get his before I got mine? I was just going to say, how did he get his shirt? I, I'll show you the picture. Look. Are there people it is. bootlegging our merch? <laughs> Rick's got a picture of someone wearing it already. Yeah. Well, I haven't even gotten mine yet. I think he's out of West Omaha. It's a damn supply chain. Maybe works. <laughs> works at the, uh, yeah, damn supply chain. That's it. You know, it's Biden's fault. Saki's fault. That's it, G. He, Thank you. He said he got the shirt in the mail yesterday. It's a good-looking shirt. It is a good-looking good shirt. Looking. Was it addressed to Damon Roberts? Yeah, exactly. No, because this actually fits the guy. So. Oh, that's 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 funny. Now I'm gonna make fat jokes about the what? host on the show. Here. I didn't that's, say that's anything. Fine. I didn't say anything about. That's fine. He just looks shorter. Oh, okay. That's just, so we're gonna make tall. When jokes. was the last time you checked your mail, Damon? <laughs> Well, maybe I got it today. I don't know. I don't even have mine yet. So I'm going to wear it every day when I got it. I ordered like 100 of them in every color. So Yeah, your, your, kid, is have, prob- <laughs> your, your kid probably wore it today to school. I'm going to have it on it. every day. Oh, no, I'm sure I would have heard about it in the school. <laughs> would have been moon pie time. <laughs> Seven ups here we are. <laughs> All right, let's do some news here. Uh, what else has uh, caught your attention? All right, well, this was something that I wasn't sure we should mention. Let me see that picture. Oh, yeah. Sure. Well, go ahead. Now, keep doing the news. Well, well I got to find you the picture, man. <laughs> That's all right. Then. Well, this was a story that I heard. And again, this was on Bannon's War Room earlier today. And it was a story broke uh, by Jack Posobiec. And he's got some, I guess he's got some real great contacts, as, as he put it. He's got people inside the current White House that are leaking him things. One of which was a phone call from an attorney. Leaked audio reveals a DOJ officially questioning sincerity of Americans' religious exemptions to COVID vaccines. Yeah, we have the audio. Yeah. Want to hear it? Yeah. 32, G, roll it. And for instance, in the New York case that's currently going on against the state of New York, the Thomas More Society is representing a bunch of doctors and nurses who claim that they would sin gravely if they acted in cooperation with the evil of abortion. How would they be doing so? The claim is that all three of the current vaccines either have fetal cells that were that were obtained by abortions in the vaccine itself, or in the case of Pfizer and Moderna, that those vaccines were tested using fetal cells that had been aborted. And even the connection to the previous testing makes them cooperative with evil in a way that their religion prohibits. I don't want to say anything too categorical, but I believe that when this claim will be very difficult for agencies to successfully claim that that's either insincere or non-religious, even if it is, even if we know that many of those claims are not sincere or are sincere but not religious, this is the most common claim you're going to confront probably, and it's likely that you will have to take as a given the employee's claim. Not always, right? One response that some hospitals have started to give is, well, do you know that Tylenol and Tums and Preparation H, those were all tested using aborted fetal cell lines too. And I expect that employees will then say, well, I didn't know that, but now that you tell me that, I'll stop using those products as well. And then then we will turn to the, what, what does the government have to do once the employee makes that show? And here, Basically, there is a compelling interest, obviously, in keeping our workforce and the public with which we interact safe from COVID. 
there you have it. Again, leaked leaked a phone call from this DOJ attorney. Basically, what he's doing there, and I heard it explained as well that he's basically uh, he he's tipping the hand. They're they're conceding the point that they know that if somebody claims it's religious or deeply held belief, that they really can't argue that because that they can't they can't get inside the person's head and know if they're quote unquote lying or not. Um, so they're conceding that point. Of course. Really, but they're also looking for a way to get around it. Yeah, clearly. What's stunning and amazing, really, is that that, we're, that, that to me is almost like the second step, because the first step should be they should be, um, they should be willing to accept me just saying, no, I don't want to do it. <laughs> no, I don't want to do it. And no, no. Why, you know, it ha- yes, I, I, you know, we're going to the religion. Why is no not enough? Why is my body, my choice, not enough yeah. anymore? It's good for them when it, when it fits what they want to do. Why is no not enough? No, I, I, I'm willing to take a modicum of risk or I've looked at all the facts. That's the point. That's the point. Yeah, I, I get all this and it's just just evil right there as they try to plan how to get around it. But the point is we all take on a modicum of risk in our lives. We're all responsible for our own um, self-being, self-interest, how we act, our actions. We take responsibility for in everything we do. We take responsibility for our kids. We take responsibilities for our family. We take responsibilities for all the decisions we make, good or bad, in our lives. And when we make bad ones, we have to live with it, and we try to do better. Why is no not good enough? I've looked at all the evidence. I've looked at the risk I think it poses to myself or to my kids or to my family. I think the, the risk is extremely low, lower than even other things I do every day. So my answer is no, I, I don't want to take it. I'll do other natural things that will protect me or I've had it and I don't need it. Yeah. That's the point for me is that that's not enough. And it's never been the case that that's not enough. But that is, um, again, that is kind of, it's, it, is, it is interesting to hear the, uh, the, to the level of um, talking and planning and scheming that they're doing to try to get around this. Yeah, and that's the perfect word, scheming, because that's, that's what the call was about, trying to figure out ways, you know, write loopholes or present arguments to kind of get around that if they end up in court. Yeah. Well, let's hope they do, and let's hope that uh, they get some attorneys that can make some legitimate arguments, because I think they're there to be made. So, uh, well, one of the... Th- oh, go ahead. I was going to say, like you said, no is a complete sentence. That's it. You've assessed the risk? Nope. Not going to happen. And, and think about it like this, too, because if you're making the religious argument, okay, so, so say every court decides we're going to strike that down, your religious argument doesn't hold water. Well, guess what? Now what other religious arguments don't hold water? Say, say you know, uh, the Jewish faith. I know there's a, a period of fasting in some, in some uh, religions. Are you going to say, well, you're not allowed to fast anymore because we feel that, you know what, that's not really healthy. You should be eating something. You know what I mean? So it just it just sli- it just takes us down that road. Yeah, to your point yesterday, what's yeah. next? Um, Terry McAuliffe, I get, went over the polling at Real Clear Politics yesterday. Saw some new polling again today that they think it is a, pretty much a dead heat. Um, Terry McAuliffe had an interview with a local station down there in Texas and uh, Texas in Virginia, and here's uh, here's how it ended. Roll that, G. 
healthcare, COVID, education, job training. All right, we're over. That's it. That's it. Hey, I gave you extra time. Come on, man. You should have asked better questions early on. You should have asked questions your viewers care about. Well, we did. <laughs> well, yeah, we did. Everybody's interested in the fact that you don't think parents should have any say in their kids, uh, in their kids' schooling, and we know what's going on when you, you know, close the doors. So that's we did ask you. And from what I understand, the uh, the Youngkin campaign has uh, they they and the PACs are rolling out commercial after commercial with that quote that the parents don't deserve we, to we, make the choice. We said it. it has to be your closing argument. We've said it. He's, he, he filed it up on a silver platter for you. That has to be your closing argument every single day until November 2nd, whatever, November 3rd, 2nd, whatever the election is. Keep hammering it because this is not a race that should be close. This is not a purple area. This is solid blue. And the fact that it's this close tells you something. Now you got to close the deal. All right. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines protecting us. Thanks, Rick. Great job. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. As always, thank you to Live from Studio 6B audience. Me and Rick will be back tomorrow night, 8 p.m. live from Studio 6B. We'll see you then.